This is Chick Flick Fix. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm AJ Knox. We watch chick flicks and rom-coms and decide if they need fixing. Can we make them better or can we make them weird? And this week we're talking about When Harry Met Sally from 1989. It's directed by Rob Reiner and written by the inimitable Nora Ephron. And it stars Meg Ryan, Billy Crystal, and Carrie Fisher. It's... It's really fun. like this is based on so many real things, sort of. So like uh, Sally's finicky ordering habits uh, are based on Nora Ephron's real life habits in restaurants. Oh, I did not know that. Because uh, Rob Reiner noticed it and had her put it in the script. Apparently, uh, much later, she was on a plane and made one of those really precise orders. And the stewardess asked her if she'd ever seen the movie When Harry Met Sally. Oh, my God. That's I think great. It's really cute. Uh, the TV watching, like over the phone, uh, is something that Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal, who are friends, actually did with each other, which I think is kind of sweet. And like large parts of it are like Nora Ephron had sort of sit down interviews with Rob Reiner and some other people to talk about like life as single men. Mm-hmm. And all of the, the old couples or the couples talking about how they met and everything. Those are actors, but they're retelling actual people's stories because Rob Reiner did like pre-interviews with a bunch of different couples, which I think, which I think is really sweet. The idea to fake an orgasm in the restaurant was <laughs> Meg Ryan's idea. Uh, that whole scene comes about because after a while they were like, wait, we're focusing way too much on Harry right now. And they're like, Hey, let's talk about fake orgasms. And she had the idea to actually do that and not just have it be a conversation. And then the I'll have what she's having line was suggested by Billy Crystal. Uh, and I like the idea of these people who like know each other and do a lot of comedy sort of creating this together based on some sort of real life experience. And the orgasm scene was filmed at Katz's Deli, mm-hmm. which is an actual restaurant in New York. And the table where they filmed that scene has a plaque on it that reads, where Harry met Sally. I hope you have what she had. Oh, my God. Of course it does. I've been there. I have not seen that. I didn't I didn't see the sign. And the woman who says that is Rob Reiner's mother, which I think is very cute. Oh jeez. I love it. But also it meant that they had to rehearse that Rob Reiner was like coaching <laughs> coaching Meg Ryan on how to do it, so he had to fake an orgasm in front of his mother in a restaurant. Oh I love my that, god. Though. Yes. Yeah. So you have to do what so, you have to do for the for the craft. Yeah. So uh do you believe that men and women can be just friends? Uh, yes, I do, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> but we're both married, so that means that's that, true. you know, that's I special. Actually, I actually, uh, have more friends who are women than who are men. Mm-hmm. I tend to get along better with women. Yeah, I, my, my husband is kind of the same way, and he's like, well, it's because I was lonely and bullied as a kid, and men are mean. Yeah, that's sort that of. That is absolutely true. <laughs> and I think also if you are someone who's like kind of artsy fartsy, uh, you wind up in spaces where, like, the proportions are going to be yeah. more women. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, you know, I had to play a lot of men as a kid in theater. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, like, if you like to draw or if you like to do poetry, but something – this this is a huge tangent. Because um, there's this idea that, like, women who only have women friends – like, you're supposed to show that you're good because you have friends of – of both and or all genders and part of me is just like you know what i kind of take pride in having more female friends now because men suck women are amazing kind of like you shouldn't like the 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 feminist thing to do is not to renounce all feminine things yeah um like princesses and pink and all those things are okay too yeah 
uh, soapbox over. Uh, <laughs> do you want to tell us how you and your wife met? Even though neither of us are very old couples yet. I mean, we're kind of getting there, I guess. But. Yeah, that's cute. Um, well, uh, it's, it's not, I don't know if it's as cute as the stories in the, in the film, but, um, we were working together, uh, but we never really saw each other at work. Um, and a mutual friend of ours, Tim, uh, who at our wedding created the hashtag blame Tim set us up because yeah, they were good friends from way back and I was working closely with him and I was always kvetching about the bad Tinder and OkCupid dates I was going on. And he goes, I want to set you up with Jenna. Uh, so we went I mean, on. It is kind of rom-com-y that you're like, uh, you know, ships in the night in the yeah. same place, but never actually meet. What, what was the workplace? Uh, you- it was at a Southern California amusement park. Gotcha. And if you know where I live, you know what that place is. I feel like 90% of San Diegans work there at some point. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, we went on a, we went on a date and we had a great date. We went to do karaoke at, after like going to three different places and Jenna did the thing where she's like, Oh man, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go sign up for a song. I mean, I don't really do this. I'm not really good at this. <laughs> and then she went and did, um, Gimme from, oh, what that, it's from a musical. I should know this. Thoroughly Modern Millie. That's what it's from. So she gets up and does that and like brings the house down. And, and you're like Sutton Foster who? Yeah. And her, um, and her cousin was there as well at the, at this bar. And I was like, does she do this a lot? She goes, Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then we went on a few more dates and then I came out too strong and she pumped the brakes a few times. And, uh, then she finally caved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we were actually, we were like open dating and then we were hanging out one night and we're like, I don't like anyone else. Let's just, <laughs> let's just make this official. So yeah. How about you guys? We, so we met in this, um, IRC, old school technology, uh, chat room for online activists. Like we were doing a lot of work oh, nice. for an open and free internet, both with like laws in, in uh, Europe and VPN tunnels during the Arab Spring and ton of that stuff. And the first time we met in person after maybe like four, five, six months, a bunch of us went over to his, um, dorm room and he was like, Oh, it's a girl because you know, like chat room, everybody just has <laughs> handles. Uh, and there actually were a lot of women in there, but nobody really like made a point to check. And then we scared a ton of the like a geeky tech dudes by suddenly like we're talking about periods and they're like, Oh, what happened? <laughs> um, so we like hung out that summer. I was kind of dating this person who had some issues. <laughs> uh, but like we, we became really close friends. I started getting interested in him. And finally I was like, I'm over games. I like you. I didn't say that part to him, but I was like, yeah. I like you. Do you like me? And it was like, yes, but I need to like think a little bit more. And then we sort of danced around each other for a while. I had a, I got really, I had a horrible UTI and he like brought me soup and cinnamon buns. Oh. Um, and then we, uh, I think I mentioned this in the last episode. We finally got drunk enough to like yeah. <laughs> get over our, our nerves. And then he just never left, but he basically moved in right away. He moved his stuff in a few months later and then we got engaged. 
about six months after that. And I would, I'd always been like, I don't care about marriage. I also don't think that like there's somebody that I can put up with and who would put up with me for any kind of ever. <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. I know. I feel the same way. Different kinds of, different kinds of romance. <laughs> yeah. And in the, in the men and women kind of category of this movie, um, anytime I've been in a relationship and I've needed somebody to, to, call and you know be like what's going on in my relationship i don't understand or like dating you know my dating life it's always been other women (laughs) so i feel like yeah i understood parts of this movie with billy crystal but but imagine like if it was carrie fisher on the other end of his kvetching yeah i think though that in in my relationship, I'm more of the Billy Crystal and he's more of this because he's way more like positive and upbeat. I've come to accept, though, in the past few years that I'm not as cynical and dark and pessimistic as I think I am. <laughs> I've I've accepted my, my inner Hufflepuff. Yeah. So what is this movie about, AJ? Men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. All right. So this movie is basically a um, a kind of whistle-stop tour of uh, this relationship between Harry and Sally, as the title implies. Um, and the, I, you know, it starts off and we're getting this interview with an older couple and they're talking about how they met. And it feels very, you know, it feels very reminiscent of something like Annie Hall in that way. Like the direct address to camera. It's like Annie Hall, but less grating. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's cause it, cause it's, um, you know, it, it is breaking the fourth wall a little bit. It's like, Hey, here's, here's a couple. And they, they don't try to like introduce the couple. They don't try to link them mm-hmm. to the themes of the movie at all. They just kind of pop up here and there every time we get a big time jump, usually. Yeah. Cause it is like the theme of meeting is basically like, yeah. How did you, how did you meet? Um, yeah. yeah no, Cause the, the Annie Hall, like you have that sort of, it weaves in and out of each other's lives yeah. and they both talk to their friends about everything that happens continuously. And it's all jumbled and out of order and, you know, kind of, um, the one thing I will say about Annie Hall, which I kind of wit- wanted a little bit more from this movie is when, when, uh, Woody Allen wrote Annie Hall, Woody said he's, he wanted it to feel like you were in his brain, the way somebody's brain works after they go through a breakup, how like one mm-hmm. thing leads to another thing and it's all out of order and asynchronous and, you know, surreal and fantasy like. Um, and he was upset that more people didn't kind of get that, that you were mm-hmm. literally in his brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that, I love that, like how one scene ends and brings you into the next scene from a word or a, an action or something. And I, yeah, kind like you're of, just like switching on a rotating set. Yeah. But this is, this is, um, much more linear. So this is, uh, we, we start off, we're at, um, University of Chicago. Uh, Harry is making out with a young woman and, uh. It's a long, it's a long make out in the middle of uh, the quad, just standing there making out. But, and for a second, I was like, ooh, I don't, this is uncomfortable. And then I realized, well, yeah, that's the point. You're supposed to feel like, she is sitting in the car. We were like, how long are they, are they yeah. going to come up for air? Are they going to, you know, 
disengage at any point. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So then, uh, Sally drives up and, uh, she's going to be driving Harry to New York. She's the friend of Harry's girlfriend and, uh, it's going to drive him to New York. So the, the opening of the, the movie is them just kind of driving and having conversations about life and relationships and trying kind of getting to know each other. And the big takeaway from that first, um, scene is that Harry believes that men and women cannot be friends because uh, sex and relationships always get in the way. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's interesting that like his thing is that because men will always want to have sex yeah. with women, they're close, which A, the first thing is like, what about bisexuals? Do we just live alone for the rest yeah. of our lives? No friends at all. But also I'm like, did you know that women <laughs> can also find people sexually attractive? Yeah. Because, like, I, part of me feels like sometimes, especially in periods in my life, there's also the thing where I'm like, I can be, like, physically attracted to someone, but be like, I don't care enough to act on it. And, like, I don't, you know, and it's, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's a women or men thing. I'm just like, you can, you can have periods where, like, I would bang anything, but. Yeah. But I also like that it's a car trip because I feel like car trips are such an amazing way to get to know someone mm -hmm. even if that's not why you're doing it just because they're you know it's a long journey they're 18 hours so they have six shifts of three hours each uh but you you don't look at each other regardless mm -hmm. of where you're sitting in the car possibly in the back seat but even then you're like looking ahead or like talking to someone else but two people in the front seat can't look at each other for more than a few seconds because the driver has to keep their eye on the road and you're in this physical bubble that becomes a sort of you know, emotional bubble yeah. and you, you just sort of talk and you, you, you say a lot more things than you might have if you were sitting face to face over, you know, a, a, a table at a diner for the same amount of time. And also like you often sit in, in the dark for a long while, which makes it even safer. It's like this little, little chronotope, this little, you know, separate unit of time and space that is, is special. Well, that and you're trapped. Yeah, <laughs> you that's know what it, I mean. That's like, it. there's that, like that, that, that real straightforward aspect of being in a car ride is like, uh, I've always very good point. <laughs> I always thought of car rides as, and road trips as like good relationship litmus tests as well. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like I, if you go on a if you go on a road trip too early, sometimes it can it can be destructive to the relationship right because mm -hmm. you do it you you and and your brain kind of does that um you know just kind of jumps around and and you start to have long conversations so it can be really cool and i i do like the the road trip even though he spits out his grape pits into on yeah, the window and onto and a like, window Ugh. and it's also it's like it's an old car there's not going to be a, a window that's automatically down because she can't reach over to yeah. To uh, wind that down. Towards the end of the, the drive, uh, he Harry tells Sal that she's attractive and she says he's making a pass at her even though he's dating her friend. And when they get to New York, it's a pretty unamicable uh, goodbye. It's very, you know, have a nice life. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I we, think she we, maybe even says that. She might. She might. Yeah. Uh, so we jump ahead a few years and, uh, Harry is in the airport and he sees, uh, a man and woman making out and he walks up and he kind of interrupts them because he's friends with the man. They went to school together and, uh, he does not recognize immediately 
does not recognize Sally as the woman that the guy's making out with. And he's kind of giving her a couple looks like, you look very familiar. And then they get on a flight and he's sitting right behind her. And I love her, the combination of relief and annoyance that she manages to play that he didn't recognize her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when the boyfriend. Yeah, explicitly she plays relief that he didn't recognize her, but you can tell she's also like, how does he not remember? Yeah, me? exactly. Yeah. So, so when, when Harry goes to get on the flight, she, she tells her boyfriend, you know, like, oh, I'm so glad he didn't recognize me. He, we spent, uh, we did one 18 hour road trip five years ago and it was, you know, the worst 18 hours of my life or, you know, it was. Yeah. And, and, and then he says, well, what happened? He goes, he made a pass at me. <laughs> the guy just cannot get over. Well, what happened? What happened? What happened? Like he just. You can tell he's in that, like, every man in this movie is in the mindset that you cannot basically be alone with a woman and not want to sleep with her. It's very Mike Pence. It is very Mike Pence. (laughs) Except nobody calls their wife mother in this movie. Thank goodness. Thank God. And it's actually, this is kind of parenthetical, but it would have come up at some point. Because this movie is, by a lot of people, including me, considered, like, sort of the, the part of the... How would you express this? This movie considered to be sort of the shifting point from the very like raunchy sex comedies of the seventies and early eighties. Like this is, this ushered in the modern romantic comedy. Hmm. And it is kind of funny that it like, it, cause it still has elements of that where it's like, you know, like, Oh no, I walked in on you naked. Whatever shall we do? Now? Like it's, it has some of that, like how do men and, cause it is also very, very has a lot of that thing that i talk about sometimes like it's very Mm self-reflective you know it talks about both popular culture about love but then also about how love works and how men and women work and this is very much sort of um a harbinger of that uh for the modern romantic comedy yeah but it still has a lot of that like well men and women you know they can't be in the same room for more than 37 minutes before something's gotta happen yeah, there is a lot of that in this movie. Uh, so they're on, they're on this flight, uh, and Sally cannot remember the name of her friend who Harry was dating. And then, uh, they end up sitting next to each other on the flight. Because he recognizes her once she gives her order to yeah, the... Yeah, she, she gives a very complicated order to the flight attendant. So he goes, did you, did we drive from Chicago to New York five years ago? So, she she asks uh he can't even remember the name of the, the woman he was dating and she gets really upset with him which i think is very funny mm-hmm. um because just five minutes ago she couldn't and i've done that too it's like oh man i dated that person what was their name <laughs> <laughs> i i like i've had that I, I i think everyone has those like people who kind of are in their lives very briefly very intensely but then you just don't remember them they're like a very vague memory so they're sitting there chatting uh, Harry's engaged, uh, and Harry says that they should be friends. And she's like, mm, I don't think so. And then they say goodbye. Uh, and then we jump ahead again. Uh, another handful of years, uh, they meet in a bookstore and they have a cup of coffee and they're talking about their relationships. And Sally has just broke up with the boyfriend and Harry's wife has left him. And this is the point in the movie, um, because we are, we're also like seeing them interact with their friends along, all along mm-hmm. the way as well. Harry has this like great, great monologue about how, uh, his wife Helen left him 
and then Sally has a monologue a little bit later, and they, they each have a bunch of monologues in this movie. And I was like, oh, when Harry Met Sally is the Cohen brothers of rom-coms, because you get these like really richly characterized figures in this scenario, and then they get to deliver these amazing monologues. Because I feel like that's with, what... With many pauses where you know that in normal life, those pauses would be where somebody either interjects or shares something else. It is very sort of theatrical oh, and very totally literary. Yeah. And ve- there actually was a, a stage version where Molly Ringwald played played oh. Sally, which I think is amazing. But like it is, it is very literary. And like you can tell, you know, Nora Ephron was a very good writer. Oh, like, yeah. Writer of things that are meant to be read by one person with their eyes into their brain. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it, it has those, those qualities. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, they, they, anyway, so I, I just, it just dawned on me. I was like, this has a lot of similarities to Corn Brothers. I've also been watching a lot of Fargo and that also has a lot of monologues. But, uh, but yeah, I love the monologues in this. Anyway, so they're hanging out. They decide, Hey, you know what? We're both kind of, alone right now let's be friends and so we start to see their friendship kind of blossom um they you know they're talking on the phone while watching casablanca in these really delightfully cut split screens that make it look like they're in bed together and a lot of those scenes were actually shot on these weird sets including the where they could see and hear each other yeah on the the amazing three-way scene where carrie fisher and um What's his name? Something Kirby. Bruno. Uh, thank you. Uh, where they're in bed together, but talking to the other two. They actually were on these weird sets because they needed to get everything matched because there's no cuts. So they have to do it perfectly and they had to do it over and over and over again. And there was apparently one shot or there was one take where they did it all perfectly. They slammed down the phone and then like Bruno Kirby messed some tiny thing up. They were like, God damn it, we have to start over. <laughs> but I like the idea of them sort of. I, in my head, I see it as like there's a space of like a foot and a half between the actual beds. Yeah. So they are like shooting it next to each other, but it's, yeah, no, I, I, I like that. It's funny. Yeah. It's great. Um, and so, you know, we're kind of also jumping around Christmas and New Year's. And so they get to a New Year's Eve party, you know, the ball drops and they, uh, they clearly want to kiss each other and they clearly do not. And they decide, Hey, you know what? let's set each other up with each other's friends. Oh, I did forget the one, the pecan pie. Um, they're in, they're in. I want more pepper on my paprikash. Yeah. They're, that's like, there's this great scene where they're in a museum and he decides he's going to just speak weirdly. And now whenever I talk about how I like pecan pie, Jenna does the voice of the pecan pie. So yeah. So, um, they decide to set each other up with their best friends. Uh, Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby. Um, and so they go on this kind of double date, which is like, I, I have to mentally wrap my, my head around like, who's there to date who? I don't know why it seems more confusing in my head than it really is because you just imagine them together. Like the, the thought mm-hmm. of somebody dating one of them, like of them bringing somebody to date the person they're ostensibly dating is, <laughs> Like, 
I don't know. I just have a hard time. Like the math hurts my head for some reason. Um, I think that might also be because you know that Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher are going to be right for each other within like a minute. Oh, yeah. So because you're like everybody at this table is with the wrong person. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so yeah, so they're all chatting and clearly Harry and Carrie Fisher are not getting along. And then clearly Sally and, um, I almost said Sally Jesse Raphael because his name is Jess. Um, that would have been a son-in-law reference. Sally and Jess are not getting along. And then, uh, Carrie Fisher says something, says this pithy quote about how restaurants are to people in the 80s what theater was in the 60s or something like that. And uh just like, I wrote that. I wrote that. And she goes, I've never quoted anything from a magazine. You wrote that? And they start hitting it off very overtly. Which and- like, as as a writer, I'm like, oh yeah, I can feel that. Like that, yep. that would be an aphrodisiac. Like, oh, no of other. course it would. Yeah. <laughs> And also, it's funny because this is a movie where I don't care at all about the fact that this would not really pass the Bechdel test because yeah. it also wouldn't pass the Bizarro Bechdel test. Yeah. Because Harry only talks about women to his yeah. man friends. Yeah. And this is so much a movie about, you know, the discourse of love that it it really doesn't matter. But it occurred to me also that – because – Carrie Fisher, before she meets um, Bruno Kirby, there's this very funny repeating trope of where he's like, he's he's never going to leave his wife. And everyone around is like, no, no, she's not like they're not they're not even playing into this conversation anymore. And it, you know, it's made me start because this is, you know, it's a very common trope. And like just the quote of they never leave their wives, you know, like it's a whole thing. And I was just trying to think of like, is this still a thing in our generation? Because I feel like I would know people I sh- like I should just statistically know someone, but then again, not everyone I'm friends with is someone I'm close enough friends with to talk about their somewhat illicit relationship. But it was weird. Like I was just like, as I was falling asleep the other night, I was like, "Do I know someone who's sleeping with a married man?" And I'm like, "Would I?" Because I don't know if it's like I feel like with social media, I would know, but I probably wouldn't. Yeah, I I definitely know some situations that have uh you know been. In that kind of area where it's like, but have they gone on for years? Mm-hmm. Okay. All yeah. Right, good. All right. Good. I've my question has been uh, has been answered. I definitely don't think it's like as common or as, um, because we've discovered divorce. Yeah. It won the Nobel Prize in 1974. It's now available without a patent to <laughs> most of most of the Western world. Um. Yeah. I I think that also like there's there's a much I think there's like a growing understanding within relationships in general, marriages, whatever, where it's like things don't like, yes, I think marriage as a construct, as an institution has this kind of assumed permanency to it. Right. But, um, but I also think that there's like this growing understanding of like, Hey, like relationships change. And I think also maybe through a large portion of time, people have had more time. Mm -hmm. We have to work more now. Yeah. Uh, both parties have to like they, there's no time to have i know that people cheat but yeah. i feel like there's not time to have that same kind of long running side shit romantic yeah entanglement. it's so much work yeah it's a lot of work like my my great grandpa had an extra family who has time for that yeah gosh. not on, not on my christian minecraft server 
Oh my god! But I love I love Carrie Fisher and and Bruno Kirby in this. Yeah, they're, they're great. They're, they're both the best. They're both wonderful. They, you know, it. The Nora Ephron is really good at writing best friends. I mean, she's really good at writing. Period. But like sometimes best friends can in in rom coms can be very flat characters mm-hmm. with not a whole lot of depth or interest or or kind of anything notable about them except as a sounding board for the main characters. But mm-hmm. these are characters who have like stories and histories and, and, you know, like I love that Jess doesn't want to date. Like he's just like, I don't want to date. Like I'm just happy living my life, going to work, doing my thing. And she's kind of got this whole story. We don't ever see that, but we know about it and we know it about the characters. She, oh, she just does such a great job writing them. Um, so yes. So, uh, Marie and Jess are kind of dating and, and things are kind of moving ahead. And, uh, Sally calls Harry one night and says that, that her ex is getting married and she needs him to come over and just kind of, you know, talk her down a little bit. And that night they have the sex and he's very distressed by this, even though he's kind of a philanderer. Um, Can I just say that that the scene after where she like she gets up to get some water, I think mm-hmm. it's so funny. Like he he the panic look on his face is yeah. amazing, and she's just like that was nice because I think you know what what happens in that scene is because he is annoyed that she is so goddamn positive, right? Yeah, and like oh she's you know she's vulnerable and she's human, and it, it's not like he takes advantage of it, and I don't think it's like oh I like broken women. It's just like she becomes a little more human to him. But then after the the sex, well, and he's they, in the they bed- both wanted to. Oh, absolutely. But like, I think that's something does it that like she, she opens up. But yeah. when she gets up to get water, he's in bed and he has his foot sticking out of the covers and his foot is on the floor. And my brain just went, is that a haze code joke? Oh, cause there was be. a thing of like, like you can't even if you're kissing on a couch or a bed or even like a love seat or something. One, I think both characters, but at least one character has to always have one foot on the floor because you can't like, get indecent if one foot is still on the floor and i'm like you guys are not doing it right well i do know that for the Hayes code um one of the codes was no excessive or it was like excessive or lustful kissing and mm-hmm. so part of it was like you had three seconds you could get three seconds which is why and if you watch like old hitchcock movies and stuff um there's a great scene on the train in north by northwest where uh where they're having this like very sexy time on the train and they're kissing, but they keep stopping to say like one line and then they'll Mm -hmm. kiss for three seconds and say one line and then kiss for three. And I'm like, Oh, he's just calculated. Yeah. But it's just cause it, it's, it's such a weird pose that he's in. Like he's on his, his quote unquote side of the bed and just this leg, like you see almost his entire leg, like up to his, his hip, just sticking out of the bed, one foot on the floor. Did not it's like, does that, that mean that like he didn't commit all the way? Like he was still, isn't that a, a Regina Spector lyric? Never loved somebody fully, always one foot on the ground. Oh, maybe. Sounds like it. And it was just like, I, I could not unsee that in my mind because it would be a Nora Ephron, Rob Reiner thing to do to be like, this sex was not just a happy romp. It's still a little complicated. One foot on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. It might just be that, you know, he was too tall. I don't know. But. <laughs> Her bed wasn't wide enough. His his leg fell off. Yeah. So um, so they have sex. He's a little befuddled about it they each call their best friends who are now in they're like in bed together they wake them up 
And that's and they that have a great... phone on each side of the bed, and I love that. I it's know. So... That's like a great little scene where Harry is talking to Jess, and uh, Sally is talking and to Marie. And that scene is so amazingly written. Yeah. Both with like all of the jokes. They, they And I think, I mean, this isn't the first time anyone's done it, but it is a trope that sort of started here that a lot of people like to copy. And yeah. it's both little things of like when her phone rings – he says, nobody would call me. Nobody would dare call me at this time of night. And then his phone rings and he picks up and his greeting is nobody would dare call me at this time of night. Yeah. Um, and then like there's this constant, amazing sort of gun, you know, rapid fire mirroring of everything. Was it good? Was it good? Like they, yeah. And the, the, the repeated, like the, the two, the two friends cover their phones and talk to each other. It's just this amazing choreographed. Oh yeah. And written and directed and acted and, Clearly needed a lot of retakes, but just it's 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 a dance oh, in a absolutely. way that you don't always get to see. And that's all. That's also kind of the first time we really get the sense that their friends have been rooting for them to get together. Right? We mm-hmm. finally kind of understand that like everyone else has seen this now, and is just waiting for it to happen. Do you think that the friends are like, well, obviously they have chemistry, they're in love with each other, they just don't know it, or do you think it is kind of that men and women can't be friends and or People who are in relationships always want everyone else to be in relationships. No, I think that they see their chemistry and they're like, mm-hmm. God, why don't they just date each other? Yeah. And the thing is also in in this situation that um, you also have the fact that Sally has repeatedly mocked Harry because like he just wants to get out of bed as soon as he's bedded a woman. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, he manages to spend most of the night and then is like, I have to go wash my hair uh, f- water my dog something bye yeah oh yeah he, he he's kind of he's not uh playing it very cool yeah so they kind of fall on the outs a little bit because harry is you know a little he feels a little confused and lost i do like that it's kind of all on him that the relationship kind of sours um and it's not like it's not like she's like asking for anything he just instantly is like uh and that's that's kind of the cause um so then at Jess and Marie's wedding or at the wedding dinner i should say harry kind of attempts to to bridge the divide and and repair the friendship uh, and sally's like no too too little too late sorry and and then we get a hashtag blame harry and sally speech yes yeah but you know what I also like, like, cause you're talking about not just that we get to know the best friends, but they, cause obviously we know that time passes, but they use the best friends as a very good sort of frame of reference for time. Oh yeah. They meet, they yeah. move in together, they have yeah. their wedding. And again, in a way that other movies try to use and don't always do as, as well. Also the, the outfits in this movie, her, that, that green weird velvet i was like i have to make that i have to yeah. make that and then wear it to all of the different weddings that i'm gonna go to this winter <laughs> i guess but both like the the hair the makeup the costuming it's just really fun in general yeah and the movie kind of shifts back the other thing too is like this is also the point where the movie shifts back into like harry is kind of dark and brooding because they kind of get away from that when he's with sally and then after after this after they have sex and it starts to cool then he gets kind of you know moody and brooding again so it's new year's um he's uh alone on new year's uh she's 
at a uh, New Year's Eve party, and he shows up to the New Year's Eve party and declares her love for her in one of the great, you know, rom-com monologues about... Not just that, he runs through the city to get to the party and gets there right at the stroke of midnight. Right, right at midnight. And, you know, he says all all her weird quirks that he loves about her, and that, that, um... The famous line, which is, I, I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible, which I'm like, man, that is just such a good line, Nor Ephron. Damn it. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, um, they kiss and then they get married, uh, a few months later. Um, which we find out because the movie ends with, them being interviewed on that same yep. couple couch. And so, yeah. And so then it's they they become one of the couples that is being interviewed. Which is also funny because, like, I love that that is there because, like, obviously both you and I in our retellings of how we met our partners, there's so much more there. There's yep. so much more complexity there. But you – especially with some of them, the, the, the way they are also so well choreographed, these stories, because, like, you've told the story so many times. Yeah. Uh, and you've, you've made it the best version of the story. Not that any of it is necessarily untrue. You've just like, how is this a story? How is this an anecdote? How is this my tiny performance mm-hmm. of my little performance of, of compulsory heterosexuality and or love? Uh, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? So it's just funny because they tell, oh, the first time we met, we hated each other. No, you hated me. I didn't hate you. Uh, then we, and then we. And, like, we've seen all that has gone on between those, like, three little points in time that they refer to. And I'd like that as well. Like, that little reminder that, yes, that is all true, but it's not it's not the whole truth. Yeah. It's nothing but the truth, but not the whole <laughs> truth. It's just a little snapshot. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying, too, that um, a lot of it is about Harry getting in their way. Because a little bit, like, they are the only thing getting in in their way. There's no, like... Other, I mean, there are other partners, but they're never the issue. Yeah. Um, but then again, like, it's also, you know, I don't think it's like, oh, their, their neuroses or worries are necessarily getting in the way. You know, they're, they're getting to know each other at what might be a frustratingly slow pace for the people around them. But I don't think that A, they might be necessarily good for each other earlier on in the story. But also, I think that they're not necessarily so suppressing attraction all along the way it can be something that develops yeah and it's not either that they're like oh i can't because it's more that they're like it's just a thing thing that happens so it's it's not a story that necessarily has a ton to to overcome yeah i jumped way to the end of this discussion you really uh, did do, i did uh do you like the main characters uh, i love them i you know i think that like billy crystal is top of his game in this I think Meg Ryan is hilarious. I think she's so like they're both playing it so well, um, and they have really good chemistry together. And I like that they also have really good chemistry both during the friendy friendist part, yes, and as that grows because it's like you can you can play chemistry, but it's it's not necessarily easy to play chemistry that changes over the course of the story exactly right and like from the second they're in the car together like the movie just clicks Mm -hmm. um and so yeah i i just i think they're great what about the side characters because i think we already like we we love them i like them them. it's just yeah it's it's you know god it i really think that Nora Ephron just 
does have such a gift for side characters. I, I also think of like Sleepless in Seattle, you know, the tiramisu scene, right? Like, like these great little scenes of dialogue and, and, um, I feel like what Nora Ephron does is she's kind of the master of that, um, L'esprit d'escalier, the staircase witch. Yeah. Like she manages to, without having actually been in a situation, write the thing that you always wish you could have said in a situation. It, regardless That's of great. if it's like, yeah. you know, a witty response to someone who is mean to you or just like a funny thing to say in the situation. But she has the skill of making it not feel in the moment as literary as it is or as right. theatrical as it is. Cause there are a lot of movies where you're like, you've been talking for a long time and you're saying a lot of things that you have clearly scripted out before you started to, you know what I mean? But here it just feels like the moments where they're talking for a long, when they have these monologues, you can kind of feel like I could be sitting at this table and just like forget to talk because this is interesting and you are in your own little, you know, feelings bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And, but she does that with all the other characters as well. It doesn't, it never feels annoying, I don't think. Yeah. And I claim that there aren't any villains or antagonists. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the only kind of real antagonistic thing that, that happens is Harry's response to them having sex. Mm hmm. Like that's, that's the big hurdle. And, 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 you know, just Harry's kind of whole mindset about that kind of, but I think they need to be friends first. I think that that's, that's his whole monologue at the end is like, he would not have given this person a real chance if he was looking at her as a sexual partner or, ex or explicitly a romantic partner. And so I do think like that he, that last monologue about all the, all her little quirks that he loves that he has grown to love is about how important their friendship was. So like the, the antagonism or the antagonist isn't the friendship. It isn't all of it's necessary. So it's, it's sort of the only antagonist is an immaturity, which yeah. naturally they outgrow sort of. Yeah. What's your, who's your favorite character? Oh man. Just for me, it's Carrie Fisher. And yeah, I don't even know it's, so if that's good. fair. I just love Carrie Fisher. I do too. Like, I want to so hang great. out with her. I, I think probably I, just because I, I do think Nora Ephron gives him the bulk of the, the comedy heavy lifting. I think Harry, mm -hmm. he is, the, he is, you know, explicitly the funnier character, the funnier written one. And, and because I it's think, based on discussions about, you know, life as a single man. Yeah. And then they had to try to sort of balance that out with more, more yeah. Sally, including that, that diner scene. And I recognize that's a little problematic, but I like him. There's so much in this movie that has become kind of like, commonplace in the way people talk about relationships or even rom-coms itself like the high maintenance thing i feel like was not really a thing until this movie probably or maybe like not a popularized conceit i should say for better or worse i asked my husband like am i high maintenance he's like didn't know what he mean he was like do you think you're high maintenance i was like i don't think so but what if what if i am and I think I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but then, then you also get the whole conversation of does high maintenance just mean has any kind of standard that, you know, uh, makes you feel a tiny bit uncomfortable and or requires effort from you? Like, does yeah. high maintenance mean wears makeup because otherwise everyone asks her if she's sick or high maintenance means I would like you to 
you know, initiate conversation at least once a month. Yeah. Let that that let that be another conversation. <laughs> Do you have a favorite part? Because uh, I have two. Go One for it. is when uh, Harry and Jess are talking during the wave at the oh, sport that, game. Yeah, it's just so it's I love it so much. Yeah, it's amazing. I also love Baby Fishmouth when they're doing uh, Pictionary because it's yeah. just it's so funny. Baby like, Fishmouth. I don't know why I love it so much. Yeah, because he's like uh, Baby Talk. That's not that's not a saying. But baby fishmouth is sweeping the nation. nation. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just, again, it's all these little tiny things that just, they work. Yeah. I I like that. Yeah. I, I love that scene because it's, it's essentially a monologue with some interjections, interjections from Jess about, you know, Helen leaving him. And I, I do that monologue, that scene is so great. And every time the wave comes by and they're just like obligatory stand up without Mm -hmm. it interrupting their, the flow of their conversation. It's just so great. Like the conceit of writing that scene of like, okay, where should we put this? That would be like, where would they naturally be as two, two male friends in New York? Right. Um, and then B, how can we make this as weird as possible? Oh, it's not just going to be at a ball game. It's going to be during the wave. And also I like the idea of them like sitting, you know, 10 people in the middle of a room on like chairs lined up and figuring out where the wave works best. Yeah. And also, I guess also thinking about like how long roughly would it take to come back around, but also just like where, where does the standing and very half hearted, but still wavy hand thing. Yeah. Where, where in this monologue do we, do we want that? Yeah. That's great. I think that might actually be my favorite scene in the movie. I, I also, I love the end. So do you have a least favorite part? Uh, Oh, man. Um, I think it's kind of weird that he kisses her on the mouth as a sort of friendly thing, because I've never done that. Because before, like, it's it's not oh, just... Oh, it's the first New Year's? Well, when they go home together. Oh, yeah. When she's crying, and he kisses on their mouth, and you can tell, like, it's meant to be a sort of friendly thing, like he could have kissed her on the forehead. Yeah. And it's not played as, oh, I did that on accident. It's like a very sort of, it's a calm... And I'm like, I don't, I don't see mouth kisses as neutral in yeah. that way and it's again you can do it in a way that like wait i that came out of nowhere i don't know it's it's kind of weird i'm not gonna say i i hate that part but it's like you could have you know uh sort of drifted into the kissing in a smoother way yeah yeah i would yeah that's that's a good point yeah i i don't know that i have like a least favorite part i i just every this movie like Honestly, it's such a, it's so, I mean, perfectly is the wrong word, but it's so tightly crafted. Like Mm -hmm. everything fits together so nicely. It goes so fast. Like the, the movie's over as soon as it starts, it feels like, and it, like, it's efficient. I mean, it's, well, we can, I'll get into that when I talk about my verdict. I don't, but I don't know that I have a a least favorite part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the ending, you like the ending. I, I like the very ending of them with the interview, but there's something about that monologue where, and this is the thing that I've like dealt with fairly recently. Cause my mom used to say that like, we love despite and not because. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, yes, that's nice because it's, and then I was like, wait, no, cause I don't, I don't want to be loved despite and I don't want, I, ha- I want more becauses than despites. Yeah. And he says it here, like you can tell like these are quirks and foibles, but I love them. I don't love you despite them. Cause yeah. there are other movies where it's like, I love you even though. 
which I yeah. think is not as romantic. But I feel like I – A, I would want him to say some more things that are not just foibles, you mm-hmm. know? And I wish she got more to say. Yeah, I do I do wish that as well. Because like yes, she does, you know, she's she's not she's definitely not just like a, a cipher. She has personality and she yeah. has some sort of agency and everything. But I, I wish that it wasn't just him presenting to her, I love you, I wanna spend the rest of my life. Like if it was just a tiny bit more of a dialogue before the happy ending. I'm not sure necessarily how that would look. But I just like I would like a little bit more than because it it's not necessarily played as and I don't mean that it's that she has just been waiting around for him. But that's kind of how it turns out that he just needed to catch up. And I'm yeah. not I'm not 100 percent on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. I think like overall the movie does have the as, as we mentioned, the movie does skew more towards Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be nice to see more of her agency and her you know her life within that or i guess like it could be more of a movie about billy crystal that could also work but it's just like because this is set up as a movie about the two of them yes like yes the title is when harry met sally but apparently they nor everyone was like i if i could go back and change that title i would like uh one of the <laughs> early titles was how they met right so like it's uh, but it is. It could be a movie just about Harry and like they play the other parts differently. But yeah. So on Rotten Tomatoes, this has a 91% fresh rating from critics and 89% fresh rating from audiences, which as with while you were sleeping is like it's fairly close and it's both yeah. high. Uh, it has a 7.6 on IMDb, which I actually found surprising. Uh, what grade would you give this? Oh, I think I'm going to give it a nine. Like it's, it's same. Yeah, it's so good. And it's funny because I gave while you were sleeping a 10 and it feels weird that I'm saying like, this is so well done. But I think this is one of those times where, you know, my nine and 10 are very much on a rom-com scale in the sense of how did it make me feel? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And this is, this is like a filmic experience, like a craft experience mm-hmm. before it's a feelings experience. Mm-hmm. And while you were sleeping is feelings. It's it's so many feelings, but it also has a lot of strong craft 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 points. It sounds like something else, but like it also has <laughs> like it also has a lot of very good, you know, structure and elements. Yeah. And part of me is like, well, obviously this is a ten, but then I'm like, is it? But like, I would like just a little bit more schmooze. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, seduce it- me, Nora Ephron. She does, <laughs> but in an intellectual sense, you know. Yes. I mean, I will say, like, the the thing that holds this movie back is the kind of affluent, intelligent New Yorker thing. You've just seen it a million times. And so, like, Mm -hmm. there's just something about that. And there is, as as we have discussed, I I do want a little bit more of, you know, of Sally in this movie. I want to see more of of her agency so it becomes, um, you know, less one-sided of a story. But, like, those are tiny little qualms with a really amazing movie right yeah so we we already talked about some fixes but uh can this movie be fixed further because I, I have two things like i would like to see them go on more dates because mm-hmm. we see them a couple of times with other people like at the uh at the pictionary party and stuff but like i would like to see what they're like with other people i would like yeah. to see 
also how they react to each other with other people. But I also, and I think I sort of touched on this before, I want to see more of Harry's growth. Because, like, in their personas, again, she's happy and optimistic, he's cynical and snarky, and her facade breaks a little when Joe gets engaged to someone else. But his sort of snarky demeanor and personality, it the only time it shifts is when he realizes that he's in love with her. And I would like to see his growth or change or whatever as unrelated to her. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be really funny to see him be, like, just earnestly happy about something. Yeah. You know, I just, I want him to be vulnerable in a way that is not, I mean, I guess this is hypocritical because I'm like, the only time he's vulnerable is when he's getting divorced. But even then, it's not in the same way. Like he, he's, again, he's very intellectual about it. Yeah. And I would like to see him be in his feelings at some point. It could be happy feelings. He could be like, I met a puppy. It was amazing. You know, Nora yeah. Ephron would do a puppy scene. Really, oh my god, really she well. would kill a puppy scene. No, no, that was yeah. a bad choice of words. She would do great at a puppy scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's my fix. How would you fix this movie? I mean, my fix is is kind of what we've been talking about is is um just expanding Sally's role a little bit within this um and and making it a little bit more of when Sally met Harry. And because I do feel like, yeah. Or when Sally and Harry met. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it doesn't flow off the tongue quite as nicely, but, um, but yeah, but you know, you know he's what got would be these cool? great. If, if there was another road trip. Oh my gosh. That actually would be kind of a cool way to do it. it like was, a reunion or something. Yeah. Is if it almost like how in serendipity they go back for the gloves, mm-hmm. um, for their anniversary, they could do like a road trip every year. That could but be even actually like in the be. middle in the middle of the movie because they have all these sort of pseudo dates in very yeah. datey locations where they talk about things. But I feel like it's still they have fun conversations in daddy places and then they talk about feelings over the phone. But if they were stuck in a car for ten hours again, that could be really yeah. interesting. Like how would that affect if it was their like they, if it was like the wedding was a destination wedding and they just had that yes! breakup and then they had to drive together, they had to like rent a car together. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Good. Something like that to give, to give just five more minutes to, to Sally, you know, you know, another monologue, a little added dialogue. I don't know what it is exactly, but just something to, to kind of bring her up to his level in this movie. Mm -hmm. That'd be my face. All right. So, uh, we just had the hubris of trying to improve upon Nora Ephron. Yep. Can we make this movie weirder? I have one very easy make it weird. Oh, dear. So I'll have what she's having. Probably, I mean, one of the best punchlines in any movie, you know, like that scene that also that orgasm scene is so much longer than I remember it being. And I love that they have people turning instantly. People are like, what is happening? Yeah, because it's you not would. Because the... you'd be like, what? I'd hear something. You know, what's funny, too. I think. Because I always remember it as her having pie, like she has, because she has pie earlier in the movie. Uh-huh. But I kind of love that the thing that she's having is also just like a sandwich with deli meat in it. Yeah. I don't know why that makes the scene even better. Yeah. Well, so my, the way I make this movie weird is you realize that woman does order the same thing she's having. And then you realize that this deli, Katz's Deli in New York, is literally giving people orgasms through their food. And so then it becomes this like weird sci-fi dystopia of like, 
everyone is always constantly having orgasms because they're eating the like Katz's deli just blows up. They have like takeout and, and mail orders and it like becomes this world where sex is devalued in favor of Katz's deli, which now makes me think of the Seinfeld episode where George keeps eating during sex. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And so then it becomes literally a movie about like rescuing sexuality and like, not taking it for granted because now everyone's just always having because their their food is literally magical of some in some way or has some mm-hmm. ingredient. I don't know, but I just thought it would be funny as if you Cupid just Cupid is in the kitchen working the slicer. Yeah, you just you just uh, steer right into that weird conceit and just see where the movie goes. I like it. <laughs> that is that is weird. That is decidedly weird. Yeah. <laughs> so my weird. Is that I want this whole movie to just play out in parlor games. Cause the Pictionary scene is really fun, but I just want it to just be them and their relationship growing only through scenes of games. Game nights? Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. They could start out playing 20 questions in the car on the way to New York. So it's just like only scenes of games. And it could, cause, um, you know, she even talks about like her breakup with Joe comes out of her playing I Spy with a kid. So, like, mm-hmm. you already have these two sections where where games play some sort of role. And it would just be funny if all you get is these, like, strikes of different games. And it could be, like, you know, playing some sort of illegal game on the street with someone who's trying to, to hustle you. Or just, like, yeah. th- where not just their relationship to each other, but the discussions about their relationships are always just about. Because then you have the game of love. Just occurred to me. That's really corny. But it would just be really funny. It's like that, those are the only times where we see them. And then you also get even more like fun things about the progression of time with, you know, beards, haircuts, all that stuff. Oh, I love it. So that's, that's my weirdness. I, I think that's great. I like, I would see that rom-com. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Maybe I'll write it. Uh, did we learn anything from this movie? Um, I learned that men and women can be friends. Yeah, that's, that's actually one of the things I don't like about the end is I kind of maybe another fix would be like, they just end up being friends. Maybe they even had sex and the sex thing didn't get in the way. Yeah. Oh, that would be interesting too. Just to see like them on the couch and be like, yeah, well, no, we're not together. We're just best friends. Mm -hmm. All right. Did I learn anything? I learned that I really, really want to be Nora Ephron when I grow up. Oh man. I'm just so jealous of her talent. Mm-hmm. Oh well. I'm not. I'm not sad about my neck though, but that's because I'm fat. It fills out the wrinkles. <laughs> Top tip: can recommend. Uh, we will be taking a week off for the new year, and then we'll be back with more amazing movies and fun guests. Uh, happy New Year, AJ. Happy New Year! And by the time you're listening to this, I probably have a baby. Ah. Ah. <laughs> uh, you can find our show notes at theincomparable.com slash chickflickfix or chickflickfix on Twitter and Instagram. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash chickflickfix uh, so that I can buy suits with very big shoulder pads. We'll be back not next week in the t- two weeks or some non-specific date. I'm confused. Soon. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ.